Hey, welcome to Fitness Business Radio, a new podcast from the Barbell Voodoo family. All right, so we're starting this new podcast where we sit down with business leaders in the fitness business. Basic gist is we want to learn best practices. We want to learn what people are doing well, and we want to make ourselves better as business leaders in the fitness fitness industry. So I don't think we've nailed down our for, our format with this first episode, but I think we will uh, be giving you quality podcasts where we all can learn from each other. Um, so I hope you enjoy. I hope it's something that you come back to. The aim is we're going to do this about once a month right now where we sit down with somebody and um, learn from their experiences. And so I hope you enjoy it. hope you find it beneficial. Leave us some comments. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think of it. And maybe it can become more uh, more often of a podcast that uh, we offer here on the Barbell Voodoo Network. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy the first episode of Fitness Business Radio. All right, welcome to the Fitness Business Radio podcast. Uh, we are joined today with uh, Terry Bargy, and he is here. He has a great book that everyone needs to go check out. But uh, he's also been um, one of our sponsors for the Barbell Voodoo podcast, and so you've you've heard his ad pop up on there. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, what his story is, but also what. He has to teach us in terms of our fitness business. And so his book is called A Failure's Guide to Business Success. And so, you know, recommend going to pick that up for sure. You can find that on the website that's uh, named for the book right there. So just type that in, A Failure's Guide to Business Success.com and uh, go check that out. Uh, But welcome to the show, Terry. Glad to have you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm excited to be here, man. Thanks a lot. Cool, cool. So, so tell us a little bit about yourself um, and kind of um, lead us up to to kind of the book, um, if you if you don't mind, of how you how you got there, why you needed to do that, felt the need to to write that. Oh, that's a deep question. Uh, <laughs> you started out with some heavy hitters. Uh, I'll do yeah. this. Uh, I'll give you the flyover um, of this story. I moved to Nashville in 2000 and the end of 2009. Um, and I moved here leaving a failed fitness business uh, behind in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, learned a really valuable lesson about when to start a business. And typically you don't do that in a recession. Uh, <laughs> duly noted. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Brought, I came down here with my family. I had uh, a wife, a son, and one uh, one little boy on the way. And I was thankful for government assistance. I came down on food stamps, unemployment. Uh, my wife started babysitting some kids. And I thought, you know what? Nashville, I bet Nashville worked better for my fitness business. And I started again um, just as a sole proprietor, as a, you know, a gym uh, not necessarily even a gym owner, really. I was just a personal trainer trying to find a place to survive. So definitely did a lot of Craigslist posts, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, a, lot, a lot of blogs. I used to write every day. Um, and with a little persistence, I started to gain you know, some clientele. Uh, got off of food stamps and unemployment, um, which is awesome. That was a great day. 
Uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, right. Um, I was very thankful for my wife helping me with that as far as like we both worked really hard uh, in our respective areas and tried to get things going. Met a, met a lady um, who had a gym on Music Row. Her name was Nikki Hightower. She let me rent from her at the very beginning for free. Uh, I think I was there eight months and she was like, hey, whatever it takes, you do whatever it takes. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about rent when you start making money. So, and I loved that. Like I try to portray that and help I, in, and do that to trainers in the future uh, as a gym owner. That's um, cool. Yeah. Kind of invest in them, you know, when they're starting and then that'll pay dividends in the back end, right? Hopefully. Yeah. And it, and it totally did. Like she didn't mean to mentor me, but I watched everything she did. Yeah. Uh, and I learned a lot. So, uh, I Groupon came to Nashville. I don't know. Remember when Groupon was cool? Uh, <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, Groupon came to Nashville and wanted to do a personal training deal. And uh, they contacted me, which I was like, who? Group group what? Uh, <laughs> sure, sign me up. Yeah, I was like, sure, sign me up. And that deal saved, I don't know if it saved the business, but it definitely amplified it. I went from you know training a couple hours a day to training about 12 hours a day, uh, for six months. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the being a snowball for me. Um, fast forward the peak, the height of our gym. Uh, we changed names a couple of times, but the best, I think the best, the two names that we're most known by life fitness Academy was the gym, um, that I had at that point. It was, basically two uh, locations within one complex of Edgefield Village before it got bought and then, uh, I guess, made fancy. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had 14 trainers, and we were hopping. We were real busy. Uh, the building got bought. We got displaced. We moved around a little bit. Um, now, which, which so, yeah. building was that on Edgefield? Sorry. In uh, so we were in the back studio. We were in one of the studio apartments. The in the back, we converted that into a gym with a kitchen. Got um, it. Okay. And then, if you're familiar with Old Glory, uh-huh. uh, the Speakeasy, that was our overflow gym. Yeah. So okay. Okay. It was literally the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very, very like it was dirty, but it was really cool. Yeah. Really, really cool vibe to it. So. Um, and this is where, you know, we spin up to the book. Uh, uh, the, the book really takes you through my very early beginnings all the way up to us turning a profit um, and, you know, collectively earning, two, you know, $2 million. Um, we, I tell you how I got there. I tell you the mistakes that I made. Uh, mm-hmm. And it really kind of comes from that failure's perspective because there are a lot of points in my 12 plus years of being a gym owner and working with trainers where I was like, this is the end. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, I, and this is scary and I don't know what to do. Um, and a lot of times I swallowed that and didn't mm-hmm. tell anybody about it, but there were a lot of times where I walked with somebody in it and through it, you know, mentors and, uh, and good friends and ideas and creativity come out of that. So mm-hmm. it often starts with 
a hard wall you, you slam into, then you're afraid that you're never going to get on the other side of that wall. And then you get creative. Um, mm-hmm. That's the recipe in which the book was written from. Um, so, so tell us more a little bit about that. Like you're from a failure's perspective. Um, why, why is that an important perspective? Like I understand kind of like you, you're talking a little bit about adaptability and you're talking about a little bit about, you know, when you're put in a corner, how creative can you be to get out of that? You know, that kind of, can you talk more about that failure's perspective? Like, yeah, you know, kind of what yeah, you're talking about. For, for me, it's just less pretentious. Uh, okay. it's, it's, it's ground level. It's my people. Um, I get a little bit annoyed and mind you, I just did it. So it also, <laughs> I also try to be careful with it. I don't like running out there with saying, Hey, we earned over $2 million in our gym. We're cool. Um, buy my book. That drives me nuts. I hate to do it, but unfortunately there is going to be some validation there. Like sure. It's not all, it's not all about, it's not all about your failures. It, it does lead somewhere. It should lead right. somewhere. Uh, well, it's not, it's not conceptual. It's what happened. This exactly. is a reality and this is experience. This isn't a, you know, I got an idea. This, this, the numbers match up. This would work out. Go right. do this, you know, kind of thing. This is, this is your life. This is your experience. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, I like to think of the simple, like the one, the one common denominator that we all have. And that's that we've all felt fear because of failure. Um, mm-hmm. And then, but, but then what? So that's kind of, that's, that is the, uh, I guess the basis in which the, I sprang from. So, yeah. So what are you going to do when your back's up against the wall? You know, that right. that's kind of, and so you were, you were pushed back into a corner um, financially, you know, like, and, and you found a place where you could survive, but that, you know, not much beyond that. Right. Um, and then, so do you just go, well, I guess my hopes and dreams are over or do you get creative? Is that kind of, kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So that's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, it's so much so that you find a way to invite that position in your life. So instead of being like, Oh crap, my back's up against the wall. Now you start looking for a way to put your back against the wall, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. so that you have no other way out other than to get creative. And to me, that's the, that's, that's what I want people to come away with after the book. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you're a procrastinator, um, you need to put those deadlines in place so that you can feel the pressure to, uh, produce what you're trying to get done. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Put your money right. mouth is, you know? Sure. Sure. So how, I mean, how does one set that up? You know, like I, I don't, that doesn't feel okay. So from my <laughs> perspective, um, my, my gym is almost a year old. There, there were many months, um, along these last 12 where it was like, uh, we need like another person to to join or we're not going to make rent this, you know, like, Oh yeah. Um, and so there, you know, there, there's, there's stuff like that. And it's, it's happened several times. I'm sure as we change and build and grow, like there's going to be multiple times when that happens. Um, but like voluntarily putting myself in that position like that, that doesn't <laughs> seem um, like something I want to do. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah. What does it look like? You know, that's the, that's like the thought that you have to reconcile. Like, what does it look like when I have 
the clientele that supports the family as well as the overhead of the gym, right? Um, and the trainers or the staff. Then what does it look like to put my own back against the wall? You know, um, for example, I did that with franchising. Okay. So you know, we were in a, we were in a high spot, and I thought, how can I make this thing? How can I how can I force growth out of myself? Um, well, I pushed and I franchised. Did it work? No. Uh, franchising didn't work <laughs> for me. And I tried, mind you, I definitely tried. <laughs> definitely spent yeah. money on it. Um, and what I did is I pulled back and I kept it local. And then I, instead of franchising and, you know, I think we were in three different States. Um, I slowly pulled out of that, which the guys were thankful for in a, in a sense of, Oh, I get to make more money. Um, and then I was like, well, let's go over here and let's talk about a South location in Nashville, you know, mm-hmm. um, to all the way down to now I have a mobile fitness band, you know, with no overhead and a very happy trainer who's making, you know, 80% of, you know, her income or what comes through because there's barely any overhead. Um, so yeah, that's what it looks like, you know, to put you back against the wall when you're at this high point of growth, you know, mm-hmm. um, so, so writing my first it. book and it was the same way with writing my first book. I was like, I don't have time to do this right now. Nope. I'm going to do it. I'll put my back against the wall and I'm going to give my clients over to my other trainer for a little bit. And then I'm just going to focus on this, you know? Yeah. It's this, it's this, uh, entrepreneurial, uh, lifestyle really. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not necessarily being satisfied with where you are currently, but what's next, like right. what, what's the next step I can take? How can I grow this more? How can, how can I be, you know, I'm ultimately kind of more successful, but also, you know, provide a service to more and more people. How can I reach more and more people with, with what I believe to be something great and beneficial? Yeah, you got yeah, it. That's cool. Man. See, I mean, even, a, even old dog, new tricks, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, the, the idea also is to make it like, I look back and I think 10 years, you know, 12 years. And I did like, I started doing the math and looking at old photos. Mm-hmm. I like, Oh, well, if I can give somebody the key, to this and what would it be? Well, that's where the 10 steps came from. It's like, don't let it take you a decade. Yeah. Take this book and then follow it step by step. Um, and then there's a part in there talking about mentors and, uh, like if you want to go, want to go fast, go by yourself. And I was definitely guilty of that in the past going by myself. You know, you don't get the vision. You don't have to follow me. Uh, or you can take somebody with you and go further. Like there's mm-hmm. such a, there's so much better of a benefit in a, in a really good partnership. Uh, even if it's just mentor, mentor, e partnership, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so just the steps are there so that it doesn't take you a decade. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So, um, so if you were going to say like, give me a couple of things that you kind of were eye opening for you along the way in your journey. Like maybe a couple of things that you, you experienced or found to be true or, um, that were just like, Oh, Oh, okay. Like you have a couple of those. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe more than a couple. <laughs> I do. I'm like, I'm trying to narrow, down yeah, the one trying to narrow that down a little bit down to the one so it's hard hitting for me i think the biggest one for me is that uh your community does care and yeah i kind of go into 
we were purists and I will give you a little bit of background on that, on that principle. Um, we were purists in the sense of we were doing beyond organic food and farm first. We were teaching cooking classes, um, talking paleo probiotics before you can go to the store and get these things before paleo works before, you know, ancient nutrition and this like really mm -hmm. pure protein. Um, and I remember coming at it from a perspective of people just don't care. All they want to do is get, you know, ripped and it drove me nuts. You know, they <laughs> didn't want to learn this stuff. And then I would have these cooking classes in these events and they would be, I'd be overwhelmed with questions and overwhelmed with attendees. And I was really surprised that people cared. <laughs> that seems really silly. Um, yeah. They want to know so much more on a deeper level. They're just trained to have the peripheral conversation. You know, like the, the get ripped quick is what got them there. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, that's that marketing is way more powerful. Uh, yeah. But they do want to know more. And that was – and they care. They care about you. They care about your business. Um, and I don't know why that surprised me, but it, like, it, it did – uh, and then it really, it made it hard to leave gym ownership in the, in the future because I, you know, you miss the community, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So how, like how many people when, when the, when, when you're at like the height and still, you know, own the gyms, like yeah, <laughs> how many, how many people would you kind of see through, through the week? Oh boy. Or uh, how many members kind of, kind of were around? I think at one point we were hovering around 300 members. Um, okay. and that's spread out. I mean, between boot camp classes and personal training clients, I personally was working 40 plus hours, uh, a week seeing clients, 85% of that tending to the mm -hmm. gym, the remaining, um, you know, whether it be staff meetings and uh, classes or, you know, the, the fun of the books <laughs> running right yeah. back into the business. So yeah, it was, what about it was the, uh, uh, a lot. How, how, and how many trainers did you have? Like under your, on the height, staff? we had yeah, at the height, we had 14. Um, we eventually, when we, the building got bought and we got displaced, we started to narrow our focus and niche our market. Um, mm -hmm. so then I dropped, you know, we dropped down to, I think it ultimately was, uh, six, uh, by the time it was all said and done. Okay. What, what would you say was the most beneficial thing that you did for those people you were mentoring or your, or your, or your staff, um, that you saw the most, uh, fruit from like what, what, what produced the, the best buy and whatever, um, like it was just invaluable. What, what kind of thing do you think if you could think of your top one? This is a fun question to answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, get out of their way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have, I, I had the honor of working with two really great leaders. Um, mind you, I worked with a lot of great trainers, but my two leaders, one, one was Naomi Newton and the other was Ashley dance uh, and Ashley and Naomi were who I was grooming to be the future of my gym. Mm. What I realized after I stepped back out of the gym is that now that I've pulled myself away, they have grown by leaps and bounds and are now controlling. Uh, Ashley's over here controlling this gym and growing this gym. And Naomi's over here, head trainer of this location, doing this thing. And I'm just like, 
all the whole time I needed to let them fly so that they wow. could, so that they could know that they, they actually had that power. Enabling, I was enabling them by being available. Yeah. And it surprised me even. I was like, oh, wow, I guess I should have given them more space and forced more out of them. I, I guess in some part of it, I was like, maybe I should have been harder. Yeah. You know, harder on them. If that makes any sense. Uh, I'm sure if they're listening, they're thinking that that's definitely not the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's evaluating people on um, who and what they are, really. I mean, you, you're going to have to treat people differently depending on their skills and talents and what they're walking in the door with. Like if you have people that are limited by what you're allowing them to do or the ownership that they have over it, like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to have to release that and just kind of see what happens, which for an owner is, is a very problematic, you know, endeavor. You're going releasing, but this is my baby, you know, and um, yeah, you might find that things definitely, get better. Yeah, you definitely learn a lot about yourself, too. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize that I had, like, that had the, the things you're talking about there are uh, our fear of letting go of control or, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. I had... Yeah, it's basically, I'm like, I'm a control freak. Like, I have to be involved. Like, what if they do it wrong? Yeah. You know, instead yeah. of, let's see what they can do. Let's see what they can bring to the table. Right, wow. right. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's important, I think, um, because I, I would, what I've seen is a lot of gym owners will just, everybody across the board, like this is what we do. This is how we do it. But um, sometimes allowing space for uniqueness and people's personalities and talents to come forward is is probably going to be a whole lot more beneficial at the end. Even though it probably takes a whole lot more time as as an owner or manager of that gym to to get to know people and get to know their strengths and get to know their weaknesses and get to know how they work and how they operate their personality. All those kind of things that factor into. Yeah how you develop those next leaders to kind of take your place. And, um, most gym owners, I, I think, um, at least the ones I've talked to don't anticipate a time when they're not there. Um, when I, I want to, yeah. yeah, which I want to be the guy that doesn't have to be there, Yeah, you know, because there's, there's more than capable employees or trainers that are there taking care of what needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. that's to me that's very to me that's very interesting because i had that same thought too i thought well i'll just uh i wanted to i wanted to not be there like i wanted it to run itself Mm -hmm. yet yet i couldn't like i couldn't let go (laughs) it was hard for me to let go in that spot you know Uh, sure but i wanted it what i did were two different things (laughs) yeah yeah and, and, you know, depending on what kind of gym it is, I mean, people do that with programming a lot of times too. Um, yeah. they feel that their programming is the pinnacle of all, um, human nature and existence. Mm-hmm. And it, there's, there's no possible way that doing other programming would be beneficial to anybody. Yeah. I have to control that, you know, it's part of the deal. Well, all right. Um, so Terry, give us, uh, g- give us a shout out about your book. Why do we need to go buy this thing? What's important, what's important, um, and anything we need to do. Yeah. The man, the, your best takeaway, I, I hope this is your best takeaway is that you grab that book and you think, Oh, I wish I'd have known this sooner. Um, 
And I hope it really, I, I hope that when, they, when, when people read it, I hope that it really ignites a fire in them too, uh, to push and grow, you know, mm-hmm. and think outside of their own, you know, think outside of their own box. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, it's what I want. I want, to, I want them to read it and get re-excited about what they're doing, uh, turn that passion up a notch, you know? Yeah. 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 And for so many of us that want to get stuck in the thing of just coasting and going, Hey, I've done a great job. We can survive here. We're doing well here. Everything's being done. You hope that this comes into their life and disrupts that whole thing mm-hmm. and, and ignites a fire to uh, this entrepreneurial spirit of them growing and succeeding and diving into the lives of more and more people. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's the goal. Um, complacency is is not an okay to sit in exactly and and you know something like if you know what this is like like if you think about a gym you think one oftentimes you think one dimensionally um conversation you think one-on-one training you think of interaction on the day-to-day i want i want trainers to buy this book gym owners to buy this book and be like oh that's how you diversify Mm. that will help me X, Y, and Z, you know, retire or make money online or, you know, mm-hmm. all these things, right. Uh, and a way to really, to amplify their, you know, their earnings. Like, that's what I want. Like, I, like, instead of having to have a side hustle, <laughs> you know, but I mean, that, that, that's the, that's the deal nowadays. I mean, and it, you, you can't have one trick pony. Um, you have to diversify that income. You have to do that personally. Um, but you're, you're also, your business has to do that because, and we all know and we've experienced from recession and even even the lockdown recently um yeah. if you if you're only offering one thing and you can't change gears or you're not you know investing in other opportunities whether that's online or um web stuff or whatever then man you're shut down and you're not going to make it through um really lean and tough times if you're not diversifying um how that income comes in and what you're doing with that and how um, you're utilizing different technologies and different spaces and do all those kind of things, right? hundred percent. You nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, Terry. Well, uh, man, I think that was a lot of good stuff. Um, people just need to go buy your book, man. That's just the easy way <laughs> to do Please. this, right? I mean, Please you know, go by the book. We're, yes. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to go page by page throughout the, you know, we want to keep these podcasts a little shorter. Um, but yeah, definitely go out and get that. Um, it's super easy. Go to that website, a failures guide to business success. And, uh, you'll be able to type in your email, get the book, put some information in there and, uh, you got it. Look at split and you can uh, read it and check that out and start. Yeah. Start that process that Terry's been talking about. Um, and getting that, uh, that gem up into a revenue stream, which, um, will last a long time, you know? Yeah. That's the goal. Keep moving and shaking. All right, Terry. Well, thanks for being on here today. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Sell 1 million copies of this thing. (laughs) Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks so much for listening to our inaugural Fitness Business Radio podcast. 
Hope you come back for more next time, and we'll be welcoming more and more guests on here. Now, we're not just going to be CrossFit. It's not just going to be one thing or another. All kinds of leaders who are leading a successful fitness business are welcome on this station. So we hope you uh, enjoy the content moving forward, and we hope to have you listen next time. 